Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Melinda and I today having a bit of a chat, uh, a little bit about transport. Yes, welcome back, everybody. Um, just off the back of a three-down three-day lockdown here in Brisbane um, where we were all told to stay at home due to a a minor outbreak of that highly infectious UK strain of coronavirus. Now, thankfully, um, things seem to be under control. We are all um, operating back at work and social distancing with masks. So for all of those listeners from Melbourne, we know how you feel, even though we only had a very um, short period in lockdown. um, It's certainly you know, makes you open your eyes to the fact that we are still in this pandemic and it does still impact us um, when there are outbreaks like this. Yeah, so it was quite interesting when we, um, it was a bit of a long weekend really, so it didn't um, didn't have a major effect. I think everyone just decided to slow down uh, post-Christmas holidays um, and had a few days of relaxing and some board games. But something that we did notice, especially uh, last Friday, I think it was, when um, when the Premier announced that we would be going to lockdown was the amount of traffic that was on the roads uh, especially to the north and the, and the south towards the coast. So that probably led us towards jumping into an episode to talk about transport, uh, to get an understanding how Brisbane's growing, uh, getting around um, now and also towards the future. Yes, we have dug out an, a very interesting um, modelling research paper that was commissioned by the Australian Government, Infrastructure Australia, and it is a report that helps to provide um, evidence in terms of what may um, th- what the transport options may look like in the future. Now, it's an analysis of both public transport options as well as um, the ability to move around by car, and it assesses you know how things will change into the future based on population changes, where jobs are going to be located. Um, and also, you know, where the congestion is going to be. So we are going to unpack all of that today. We're going to take a deep dive into Brisbane. We're even going to talk about some of the um, most uh, congested road corridors um, and most delayed road corridors. And towards the end, we will give you the top 10 um, as predicted in the future by these transport modelling reports. So stay tuned for that. There's going to be some gold um, as we move through this podcast. So a little bit of research that uh, Melinda has enjoyed doing, uh, as you would probably all guess. Um, and it is not the Brisbane Transport Podcast. It is definitely the Brisbane Property Podcast. So probably uh, wondering the, the, the so how you relate basically transport to um, investing in property or buying a house um, I, you know, it's very, it's very important to understand when you invest into property, what it looks like now and what it looks like in the future, especially for transport, uh, and getting around and moving around freely through, um, through the city. So can you just tell me briefly, uh, how is the modeling actually done? Yeah. So basically the idea of this, um, modeling report is to get an understanding of how Southeast Queensland's transport network might perform in the future and it requires a really detailed vision of what the region will look like um, in terms of future planning schemes, population growth, jobs growth, where people will live, how they will live. Um, So this modelling report actually provides an overview of the assumptions that that underpin um, where we are heading and that's what we're going to unpack today. So I guess, you know, 
the modeling is all done based on assumptions. Now, we, of course, we don't have certainty about everything in the future. So models are just that. There's no certainty around them. But it does help um, infrastructure planning at a government level, a federal government level, as well as a state government level. So we as property investors and property experts in Brisbane can use this information to help our buyers to understand, well, what's Brisbane going to look like in the future and what is um, this region going to be like in the future in terms of, you know, getting around and, and, you know, can we jump in the car and expect to get into the CBD quickly? I know I often read and smile at a number of people, you know, on Facebook forums and uh, property chat forums that indicate that certain suburbs in Brisbane are just a short 20-minute trip to the airport or a short 15 minute trip into the CBD. And I think that, you know, those sorts of comments can be quite misleading for a lot of property buyers um, because that depends. It depends on what mode of transport you're relying on. And, you know, certainly in most instances when we are talking about Brisbane, the majority of commuters do rely on car transportation, which does um, require movement around on our road network. And what's interesting about this report is, you know, what corridors will be completely congested in the future um, and therefore how people need to rely um, more and more on public transport. So I think that's um, exciting to unpack all of that and happy to share the information that we've researched uh, with our audience. Yeah, it is interesting, uh, as you said, uh, about a, a 20, 30 minute drive to the CBD, um, unless you're a shift worker and you start work at one o'clock in the morning, yeah. sometimes it's pretty rare that you that you actually get that. Um, and the traffic has has um, become worse than what it um, obviously was and will obviously change in the future. So I, I guess the two areas that really impact this when it comes to transport in a, in a city is people and jobs. Um, so if we look at the people at the moment, what's the, what's the sort of interesting facts on that? Yeah, I actually uh, completely agree. People or where people live actually will really be a key driver of their transportation patterns. So I do know um, if we look at um, 2016, which is when this transport report um, provided its baseline and then it projected forward to 2031, Southeast Queensland at that time had a total population of 3.3 million people, but over 70% of those people lived in the greater Brisbane capital city statistical area. So, you know, even though the report also includes a summary of what's happening on the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast, we are concentrating our discussions today on Greater Brisbane. Um, but that said, as we have consistently reported, you know, people often talk about being a certain distance um, by kilometres from the CBD and they talk about Brisbane being this radial city, but it is not. Uh, Brisbane or Greater Brisbane, actually extends from Caboolture hinterlands in the north um, to Bow Desert in the south. But most of the city's population actually either live along this north-south corridor or along the Brisbane River catchment area, which extends from Brisbane City to the west. So, you know, it's a northern corridor, it's a southeastern corridor, and it's a southwestern corridor. It's not a radial city, and people need to be aware of that. Um, now, the highest population densities here in Brisbane are actually those that are close to the CBD, um, and that's also something that people need to be aware of. So we also can look forward in terms of where the population is predicted or forecast to go. Um, and at a regional level, again, looking at Greater Brisbane, um, the number of people living in southeast Queensland is forecast by the Queensland government to increase 
by just over 1 million by 2031. So that's about a 32% increase increase from 2016. Um, so that's also significant. And people need to understand where those people are going to be settling and where they're going to be living to get an understanding of, you know, where they need to get to to get to work um, and, and what transport corridors they need to rely upon. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the different corridors and, and we're not a um, developed like other cities. And if, if people have lived in other cities, um, quite there's a lot that have those ring roads that go around them. Um, Brisbane doesn't have that. So you generally drive in and you drive back out on a different corridor. Um, so that's yeah, interesting. And there is some plans, I think, in the future for those types of um, expansion of the road network, but um, that's probably not something we're going to cover too much in now. And that's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, although we as Scott mentioned, you know, we don't have this radial set up with, with a ring road around our city. We also are divided. Um, we're a city divided by a river, which means any way to get from the north side to the south side or vice versa requires a river crossing. And that therefore can cause congestion in itself because um, to get across a river, you need a bridge. And um, in order to, to do that, all roads um, divert into a particular bridge. So that's also something that this traffic report looking forward into the future and all of the modelling um, looks at to, to determine, you know, where that congestion is going to fall. So the, the second part to that, then once we've talked about where the people live, what about the, um, what about the jobs side of things? Yes, it's a good question. So in 2016, there were around 1.6 million jobs in the southeast Queensland region, um, that is greater Brisbane, as well as the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. But most of these jobs, um, that is about 73% of them were located in greater Brisbane. Um, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast did have fewer jobs. Um, however, the ratio of the jobs to their population is broadly similar between those two subregions. So um, it's not like that there's a high level of, um, you know, unemployment in those regions. But also in 2016, most of Brisbane's employment was concentrated to the inner city areas. Um, at that time, outer suburbs had fewer jobs, um, but they also had substantial populations. So as a result, the population in outer areas um, far outstrips the number of jobs available. So that means people actually have to commute or rely on transportation to get to where the jobs are. And that's not really changing into the future. So looking forward, about 400,000 jobs are expected to be added to the Brisbane greater region by 2031. So that's about a 33% increase. Uh, but According to most um, economic modelling, the future employment is likely to remain relatively concentrated. Um, so again, existing much closer to this Brisbane CBD. That said, there are some areas where employment is expected to grow quickly. Um, however, uh, most of the reports in terms of economic modelling um, show that the increase in employment is going to be outpaced by population growth. So with more residents moving into these areas than the number of jobs being created, people will still need to commute and they will need to rely on transportation options to get to work uh, because there's going to be more jobs in areas where there's going to be lower uh, population growth. So that's also interesting because we're going to have to rely on transportation more in the future um, as, as our city becomes you know, larger and larger. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, just one thing I did notice um, earlier, a lot of this report we talk about, um, which has basically been done from 2016 to 2031. Yeah. Um, and yet the 2032 Olympics is still being talked about mm -hmm. for Brisbane. Hopefully COVID clears up and we can get on with things and hopefully 
apply and uh, and and win the Olympics for 2032 because wow that'll um that'll change our transport again so um there's also some current uh infrastructure happening at the moment we've spoken about this in the in some past episodes we do keep an eye on it um things are happening there's a lot of progress happening especially the cross river rail which i've noticed if you drive over towards um past the gabba um, the cricket ground it, there's a lot of action happening over there there's a lot of work going on so under the current um, infrastructure, are they included in the modelling as well? Things like the Cross River Rail, Brisbane Metro and motorways? Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of those major projects that were part of this modelling, which is really good. Otherwise, the modelling would be you know, irrelevant, I guess. But basically, it, it assumes that um, the following projects are um, up and running in the future and therefore the modelling by 2031 assumes that the Cross River Rail is operational and thereby you know, eliminating that bottleneck for that river crossing um, going through the city because there will be an underground network um, and it will be a network rather than one way in and one way out of the city. So the Cross River Rail will really have beneficial outcomes for the rail network as a whole. The Brisbane Metro, obviously, um, it's going to be running at capacity by 2031 when this modelling um, is in place. Um, and look, it will actually implement a really substantial shift in the operating of Brisbane's busway system because the existing system um, usually means people jump on a bus and that bus takes them to their destination. All many of the buses end up in the CBD, so it's a single seat journey, if you like. However, with the new operating model, um, it involves greater use of feeder routes. So the idea being that people will jump on a bus and that bus will feed them into the Brisbane Metro and then that Metro will have uh, much more frequent services into the CBD. So it is a different way of transportation um, and people will need to adapt to that, but ultimately it's more efficient. So yes, that has been included as well. Um, But all of those uh, major projects, as well as many road upgrades, have also been considered in this modelling. So some of the road upgrades include the M1 motorway corridor with widening to the Gateway motorway between Nudgee and Deegan, Pacific motorway widening between Eight Mile Plains and Daisy Hill, um, an extension of the southeast busway to Springwood, and then north of the CBD, the inner city bypass um, widening, Brisbane's um, Logan Enhancement Project, to improve the connection between Gateway and Logan motorways is included um, and widening of the Ipswich motorway is also um, between Dara and Rockley is is also planned as part of this this modelling. So it does incorporate all future changes as well. There seems to be a lot of work happening on those motorways. doesn't matter which direction you go. Um, The M1, even up north, uh, there's a lot of work happening um, and I think it will need it obviously into the future. So um, what about also um, future changes? Yeah, well, I think that, that future changes are going to be more around how people will commute and, you know, that that predominantly will focus on three areas and, and if we look at those three areas, it's what, what's going to change in terms of the rail network, what's going to change in terms of the bus network and also what's going to change in terms of um, commuters uh, travelling by road. So um, if you like, we'll start with the rail network. So... Um, The way this transport modelling works is that they analyse the number of kilometres travelled by each uh, network to determine how much um, additional capacity there will be for these networks to carry commuters in the future. So when we look at the rail network, there's definitely a substantial increase in the capacity for people to commute by rail. Um, In terms of the number of service kilometres in the future, overall the rail network 
can increase by up to 90%. Um, Now, during peak times, both morning and afternoon, um, it's projected that there'll be a 190% increase in the number of kilometres travelled by the train network throughout Greater Brisbane. So that's absolutely huge. Compare that to the bus network. Now, um, obviously, buses are a little bit more impacted by congestion and changes to road conditions. So, you know, in the peak time, certainly throughout the daylight hours between 7am and 6pm, around a 20% increase overall is expected in the number of kilometres travelled by buses. So that's a huge difference compared to that rail network during peak times, as I said, up 190% from current conditions. Um, But then off peak, we expect um, a, a higher number of buses, you know, transportation or transporting commuters around the city. So a 51% increase between 6pm and 7am. So it's interesting to see how different transport modes are predicted to change in the future based on the hours of the day. And I think that's consistent with some of the reports around transport modelling for what's going to happen on the roads. That that rail one's quite interesting. You said 190% um of a change that will be interesting we didn't we didn't have a look at that um and something i've just had a quick think then was um it'd be interesting to see what queensland rail uh have thought about on that and how they plan to handle that sort of increase whether it's we have single level um trains here as opposed to sydney where they've got the double double decker basically um trains but whether they increase the size of the trains or the frequency um generally most of it in peak hour, it's a little bit more frequent, but generally the trains go every sort of 30 minutes. So whether they just increase that to be more regular or whether they uh, look at in improving their fleet of um, of trains um, to accommodate more people. Yeah, that's yet to be seen. So we'll watch that um, with interest and see how that all unfolds in the next 10 years. So um, how will we travel? Is that what's what's how are we going to travel in in the future 2031 i know we sort of look at that as a as a future um it's only 10 years away mm. um and as you remember last week we talked about 10 years ago when when brisbane actually flooded in our last episode so 10 years does it seems to go it seems like a long time but it does um go very very fast um and it can shoot around really quick so how how will we travel in in the future Well, according to the modelling, there's going to be a slight shift in terms of the number of um, car travel trips. Um, So this is a positive thing. At the moment, about 86% of commuters travel by car and, you know, it's forecast to decline slightly and only very slightly to 84%. So that's the average number of weekday trips. 84% of people will still prefer to commute by car. Uh, But we do see some shifts in the number of people commuting by public transport, an increase up to 8%, um, which is up from 6% in 2016. So a small shift, but when you're looking at a percentage and a rapidly growing population, it's a significant number of cars that are still on the road. Um, So people need to be aware of that and, you know, understanding how that can impact the the congestion on roads is, is what we're going to move into now. So are we talking um, roads now? Yeah, so obviously with car travel being the most, you know, convenient mode for most people in Brisbane, traditionally that's how we have moved around our city. We're we're less reliant on public transport than other cities because we've never had to rely on it 
in the past. However, in, as we move forward into the future and people become more frustrated because of delay times on roads, then perhaps we'll see a more significant shift into public transport options. Yeah, I think it is, it's time we probably use that public transport a lot more and, and it will become the norm. Um, so what sort of changes are going to have then for cars, which will probably have lead into, I guess, an impact in buses as well if they have a des- don't have the designated busways? Yeah, well, what's interesting with this study is that um, there is a forecast of, you know, an increase of around 30 to 32% of the total number of trips that people are taking by cars. Um, And that's proportionate to the total number of kilometres that people throughout Greater Brisbane will be travelling by car. So that's up about 37 to 40% throughout different times of the day based on you know, what's going to be happening in 2031 compared to 2016. So probably not a major change? Well, look, I guess that depends because although the total trips and the total kilometres, you know, are showing between 30 and 40% increase, it's the total hours on the road that has the most significant um, change. And that is caused by a huge increase in predicted congestion. So the total change in the number of hours that commuters are spending on the road in peak hour up 85% in that 7am to 9am period in the morning and up 78% between um, 4 and 6pm in the afternoon. So you're looking at not quite double the current commute times uh, when we're looking for just 10 years from now. So, you know, if you ask me, that's significant and that's going to really impact on, you know, where people want to live and and how they're wanting to get around. And, And perhaps we will see some Form of shift into other transport modes. So it's interesting when I mentioned that um, when you've got a, a chart here in front of us and it's broken up into total trips, total kilometres, not a major change. That's why I sort of looked at it and thought, okay, that's not changing a lot. It's it's going up slightly, but the that chart where it goes to total hours, mm. um, it jumps up off the page. So it, it really does show that if we keep driving um, at that the amount of trips and the kilometres, the time we will spend on the road um, in the hours, basically sitting in your car, um, yeah. will we'll just change dramatically. So. Yeah, there's going to have to be some more podcast episodes so people can listen um, and, and get their fix on the Brisbane Property Podcast during their commute because there's going to be plenty more hours on the road. <laughs> lots, of, lots of listening. Um, so what about the, um, the bus side of it? That'll, will that be affected through that? Yes, it absolutely will because, you know, bus transportation has the capacity to be um, impacted by road congestion. So, you know, it's really important that um, people understand if they are in an area that's serviced by public transport and that public transport is only a bus, um, it is likely that those areas will be more affected by congestion um, unless there's bus priority lanes or busways. Obviously, that's a different scenario. So, you know, people need to be aware that the bus network will be much more impacted um, and prone to congestion than um, obviously the train network because the train network doesn't rely on traffic. So it's interesting when we when we talk about those roads and uh, time spent on them, um, you can go up, if you go to on a holiday and you're heading up, say, towards Noosa, um, generally they say Noosa's allow about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have been in the car for three hours to get to Noosa and there's there's not really any other shortcuts or any other ways around that transport, same down the coast. If you get a if you get an accident or something happens, um, you're at the mercy of of the uh, of the congestion on the road. So um, you really can get stuck on it. So how do they measure um, the congestion side of it? Yeah, well, before we get into those top ten um, corridors and how congested they are, 
um, it's important to understand how this modelling measures congestion. And there's two ratios or two things that they look at. The first is what they call a volume capacity ratio. And it's a useful metric to basically gauge the level of congestion during a specific period of the day. So um, that gets a bit technical. We're not going to focus on that during this podcast. But the second measure is average speed. So that basically just reflects the amount of delay on the road network as a whole. Um, and it's the total distance travelled on a network divided by the number of hours um, or the time taken to do so. So that's much simpler for listeners to understand. Um, and ultimately, the yeah, traffic is forecast to grow substantially on Greater Brisbane Road networks um, between now and 2031. So do you think um, we're ready to tell people about some of the, um, the, the top 10 or we've covered most, I think, quite a bit of information there? Um, and, the, and the top 10 most delayed sort of road corridors, I guess, in Brisbane now compared to what it is in the future? Absolutely. I think that it's really important for people to understand how the demand on the key transport corridors will change, how it's expected to increase uh, between now and 2031, and therefore what is the performance of these corridors likely to be like. Um, and basically, you know, as we can all predict, the performance is definitely likely to decline substantially, causing significant delays. But some areas will be more impacted than others, just based on where those population shifts are going to, where the jobs are going to be created, where people are moving to. And look, this report is not just all about jobs, it also assesses um, transportation options to lifestyle precincts like parks and childcare centres and schools. So it, it dives into a lot more information than what we're able to share in this um, in this podcast episode. So let's get into, you know, the, the corridors. Okay, so it's obviously delayed hours. Are we comparing 2016 to 2031? Yeah, correct. And yep. I think that we'll first discuss the performance of each road corridor based on the number of delay hours, and then let's look at the performance based on um, the percentage of journey time accounted for by congestion because the, the top 10 shifts slightly um, because some roads that might be delayed but involve, you know, instead of travelling at 100 kilometres per hour, you're travelling at 30 kilometres per hour, so you're still moving. Others may be, you know, a 60 kilometre per zone, but you might be moving at 10 kilometres per hour. So the congestion's a lot higher on those. So let's start with the, the delay hours. Yeah, sure. So I, I would have a guess at a few, but I'll, I'll probably let the information go towards um, Melinda here because she's done the research on this side of things. But um, yeah, there's some um, major roads and there's some actually interesting ones in there as well. Yeah, it's not surprising that the, in the top 10, um, the most significant contributors to the delay in um, greater Brisbane areas come from delays on the Bruce Highway, the Gateway Motorway and the Pacific Motorway. But in the number one spot um, for peak delays, and I'm talking about peak um, traffic in the morning. We can't get into breaking down every um, time zone in the week. So we're just looking at between nine, 7 and 9 a.m. Uh, peak traffic, Pacific Motorway between the Beanley and the city northbound, um, it was also at number one in 2016 at a number of recorded delay hours at 4,800. By 2031, that is predicted to increase to 11,700 delay hours. That's an increase of 243%. So that's huge. So that's something to keep in mind. Number two, Pacific Motorway um, from Beanley to Helensvale. So that's heading in the opposite direction. That's actually not an area that was previously delayed. Um, or previously on the top 10 in 2016. So that's a new corridor um, and people need to be aware of that if they're buying down in that area where there's a lot of new, you know, house and land packages being developed. 
Number three is the Bruce Highway between Mango Hills and Sippy Downs southbound. Um, number four, the Ipswich Motorway um, on Kessels Road between Goodna and Mount Gravatt eastbound. Number five, the Ipswich Motorway on Brisbane Road between Ipswich and Goodna eastbound. That's also new in 2031 and not an area that was previously congested in 2016 or previously on the top 10 list. In number six by 2031 is the Mount Lindsay Highway between Bow Desert and North Logan. Again, not previously in the top 10 list in 2016. In number seven, the Pacific Motorway between Logan Home and Mount Gravatt, another new entrant in the top 10 list of most congested road corridors by 2031. That's northbound. The Gateway Motorway between Wynnum and the M3 um, southbound. Now, it hits number eight in the 2031 top 10 list. It was previously at number two in 2016. So there's going to um, be an increase in congestion previously at um, 2,400 delay hours. It almost doubles to 4,200 delay hours. So nothing like that number one position of the Pacific Highway between the city and Beenleigh, but um, certainly, you know, doubling the time on the road is significant. The Pacific Motorway comes in at number nine between Beanley and Helensvale southbound. Again, um, it hits the top 10 list in 2031 and wasn't previously there in 2016. And in the number 10 position um, of the most top 10 delayed road corridors in Greater Brisbane is the Centenary Highway between the Ipswich Motorway and Indrapilly northbound. So it was previously in number three position. It drops down to number 10 by the 2031 predictions. So those that don't know Brisbane and the setup, um, that top that top 10, they're all basically coming from either uh, north, north and south coast or west from the Ipswich sort of area, really. It's, um, they go, they, as we said earlier about that 20 minute drive, 20, 30 minute drive to the CBD, hmm. um, that, that's gone out the window completely with the amount of changes to traffic that's forecasted. Yeah, and interestingly, there's only one um, road there that is actually looking at the Northern Corridor, and that's the Bruce Highway in number three position. Um, all other nine. Uh, road corridors in that top 10 list are either heading west towards Ipswich or south between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Wow. Okay. So what about percentage then of of journey time? Yeah. So the percentage of time that's accounted for by congestion, um, that's another way that people measure congestion in the future. And actually the top 10 list does change when we look at that as an indicator for, you know, how these roads are going to perform in the future. And I'll go through and list the top 10 there as well. So in number one position um, is the Centenary Highway between the Ipswich Motorway and Indrapilly. And the percentage of the journey time accounted for by congestion by 2031 is 76%. Now that's absolutely huge. Um, and that's something that people need to consider in the future. Um, in the number two position, the Pacific Motorway between Beanley and Helensvale northbound at 73% of journey time being congested. Uh, Pacific Motorway in number three between the city and Beanley northbound, 71% um, of the journey time is going to be congested. Uh, in number four, the Pacific Motorway again, Logan home to Mount Gravatt northbound, 70% of the journey time is going to be congested. And just a reminder that these... Um, times that I'm quoting are just the peak times in the morning between 7 and 9 a.m. They do vary um, and the roads vary when we're looking at the peak times in the afternoon. So, um, but, but we're outside of uh, time for this podcast to cover all times of the day. 
In number five position, though, of the most delayed road corridors ranked by the percentage of journey time accounted for by congestion, we've got the Mount Lindsay Highway between Bow Desert and North Logan heading north at 68% of um, the journey time will be congested. In number six position, the Ipswich Motorway on Kessels Road between Goodna and Mount Gravatt, 68% of journey time congested. In number seven, the Ipswich Motorway on Brisbane Road between Ipswich and Goodna at 68% of journey time being congested. A new entrant to the list based on congestion is in number eight position, Lutwich Road, um, which is Gympie Road between the inner city bypass and the M1 heading south, 65% of journey time will be accounted for by congestion. And in number nine position, Coronation Drive between Mogul Road and the inner city bypass, um, 65% of journey time congested. And in number 10 position, Oxley Road between the Ipswich Motorway and Indrapilly with 65% of journey time accounted for by congestion. So there's some interesting, uh, yeah, there's a lot of transport there. Um, I, I think if um, if people aren't going to um, use that public transport and get into that, they might need to think about getting bikes and some scooters to ride around to um, to, to get around a bit freely around the, around the city. So yeah. um, it's interesting if we don't do that. Um, we've holidayed in Bali ourselves as a family a few times in the past few years. Um, we'll end up like places like that over there where there's cars everywhere. I remember a guy on the road over in Bali once saying to us that the traffic lights are for suggestions and um, the line marking their decoration. So <laughs> our roads will be like that if, if we're not careful and we don't start to move into a smarter way and probably use those public, that public transport. Yeah, it's interesting. It's certainly not what we want to see happening to our roads, but until we adopt the way that we um, want to commute as um, you know, individuals, um, I think it's really important people need to consider, you know, how they're going to be commuting in the future and not always um, think that the commute times in Brisbane will be as they are today, really looking forward and, and understanding how this modelling works um, will help to position you for the right purchase. And when, when we bring this back to property, um, the right purchase, how you're wanting to live if you're focusing on a home or, you know, who's going to rent that property in the future if you are focusing on an investment. So I hope that's been useful. So it'll be interesting what sort of, as um, you know, Melinda's been talking about, what sort of the average of travel time, what, what that's going to have, what's forecasted, also the economic impact um, of what that will also have. And that's huge when you're investing into property as well. Absolutely. I think that any delays when you're sitting in road congestion can result in missed appointments, wasted time, um, huge frustration for users um, as well. So, you know, it's definitely something that we need to be mindful of and, and consider when we're making decisions around property today. So, look, that's a bit of a wrap there. Um, I hope that's been interesting for everyone. Um, there's definitely some interesting things to look at and and into the future. Um, it's not my recommendation to use traffic lights as suggestions. I think we use them as we're supposed to use them here. Um, but I'll let Melinda wrap it up. Um, it's been fun talking again. Um, take care and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Yes, thanks for tuning in again. I hope there's been some value in getting an understanding of what Brisbane traffic will look like in the future. Um, all of this research uh, has been conducted in-house by looking at transport modelling, etc. And we're really happy to share this with our community. So as always, if you like what you're hearing, please share this content with your friends and family. Tell them to subscribe to our podcast. And if you love it, please leave us a review on um, whatever podcast provider you are listening to. I'm Melinda Jennison. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. 
Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.